0: You are now listening to the Charity Church Podcast. Well, hello, once again, it's Pastor Marty and Tommy D. And we are back with you after a few weeks off during the holiday break, Christmas, New Year's. It's been a while. It
1: feels good to be back. It does. Yes, sir. It does.
0: I've missed this microphone. I feel like I'm talking a little bit lower today, still dealing with the scratchy voice.
1: I think the whole church enjoyed the raspiness. You think? I do, yeah. But like an old school preacher. Yeah. Like uh, Spurgeon. That's it. I God. His, I think
0: his low Wait. low voice was from his cigars. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but we started a, a new series this week, and uh, the series is entitled Pathway to Maturity. And uh, yeah, just kind of talking about what it means for us as Christians to really mature in our walk
1: with the Lord, which is what we want to see, right? Absolutely. We say it every week. We're here to help lead people to know Christ and to grow or mature in their relationship. And one of the things we've talked about that we've celebrated is we've seen a lot of growth in Mm -hmm. the last year, but the idea of giving practical, practical, tangible, applicable things for people to Start the new year out with yeah. This is exciting. Yeah, I hope it's a uh, hope it's well received and put into
0: practice. You know, one of the things that uh, I shared in the video on January the first was my scripture memory challenge, and uh, I've got a few people that have jumped on board with yep, that. The you know? Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount. I got the first four verses of it memorized, and uh, I won't try to do it right here,
1: cold turkey, but. Um, you, I do have it. I think I'm going to do it with you. Yeah. Um, and I was like, should I do the Sermon on the Mount? And I thought, you know, as a pastor, having the greatest sermon ever given in your back pocket Greated memorized, yeah. that's probably a good thing.
0: Well, and one of the things, and I i want to talk about it on Sunday a little bit, because we're going to talk about the word of God, but the uh, just the fact that Jesus was kind of laying out really the principles for kingdom living. This is what heaven on earth ought to look like mm-hmm. for Christians. And so uh, without jumping ahead, but that's kind of what I'm I'm, I'm going to talk about. The reason behind wanting to memorize the Sermon on the Mount is because as Christians, that ought to be our kingdom ethic. And so this past week, though, we started out talking about our identity, our identification in Christ, our identity in Christ, which for an infant, for a child, uh, the moment that they can start recognizing you and for us being grandfathers, we love it when our grandkids That's recognize it. us. That's right. And when she starts to say your name, oh, my goodness, Tom, you just wait. I'm,
1: I'm going to melt. I'm already I'm already wrapped. I don't stand a chance when uh, listen, when they reach for you for the first That's time, it.
0: It, it's a pretty cool thing. When you walk into the room and you're the one they want. Let's go. So, that's it.
1: just for clarity, because you said in the second service that you were in the lobby and Baker saw you out of everybody, your one-year-old grandson, and reached for you. Um, you didn't clarify that you were pops, as in granddad. Oh, and you said, and that's our one-year-old. And I thought, <laughs> oh man, can you imagine having a one-year-old in we the have house? A lot of guests there Ooh. today. Can you imagine if you and Tracy had a one year old? Oh no. Like,
0: <laughs> no, you'd have to lock me up yes, in a penitentiary.
1: Sir. It'd be it'd be bad. But that speaking of one year olds, that is a cute one year old. He
0: is. He is. He's coming into his little personality. It's fun to watch. It's fun to watch. Yeah, so we talked about just the fact of identity and how I think people struggle with identity and Absolutely. we find our identity in the wrong things. And uh you know, I, I mentioned a few things, job, marriage, kids, success, whatever it might be. Um, any example that you can think of that might be a a, a struggle, whether for you or somebody else you've just seen in general?
1: Man, but I've got a couple personal just, you know, I was in the corporate world for 18 years with the same company and out of nowhere lost that job. And looking back, I'm so grateful that's not where my identity was because uh, that would have been devastating. Um, and then just, it was last week, Lee and I were having a conversation because we're experiencing the empty nesting for the very first yeah. time. And we were just sitting there laughing together, eating dinner and, or maybe even cooking dinner together. And, and, um, and I said, you know, I'm really enjoying, uh, this whole empty nesting thing with you. This is kind of fun. And we took a moment and we celebrated the fact I mean, listen, other than Leah, there's nobody I love in this world more than Denise and Hannah, my girls. But we celebrated that we did not put our identity yeah. in them so that when they did move out, we didn't look at each other like, who are you again? Right. You know, yeah. we had worked on that. So right. The
0: things in common are gone. And right. That's not the case. It's You had more in common than just exactly. raising kids together. And I think that's a that's a beautiful picture of what we're talking about, that our identity is not – it does not rest in our kids. It doesn't rest in even our spouse. As much as we love them and we sure. enjoy being around them, they may not always be around. Mm-hmm. You know, it's nice when your kids leave home and then they choose to come back that's and right. visit. Yep. and and then that's a neat thing. But but when you can just have your identity outside of that, but so many people struggle with it. And so I had made, I'd found this quote um, from a lady, uh, a feminist. Named Judith Butler, and um, in her book entitled "Gender Trouble," and I use this quote on Sunday, she aims to separate the definition of sex and gender so that gender and desire can be flexible, free-floating, and not caused by other stable factors. And that just the word "stable factors." Whenever I read over that, I was like, even though you know we look at gender identity as one issue. But there's also other issues. There's there's the job, the marriage, the kids, the other identities that we find in our success, whatever it might be, that are not stable factors. Mm-hmm. As much as we would like for them to be, they're not stable factors. And those are changing things. So we need to find something or someone who is a stable factor and find our identity in him, Amen. who is Jesus Christ. That's right. And that was the purpose really of the message is finding our Christian identity in Christ. Christ and Christ alone.
1: I just finished, uh, maybe a couple months ago, I read an autobiography on the pitcher, C.C. Sabathia for the Yankees, Mm -hmm. or Indians and Yankees. And it was fascinating. He talked about that very thing for years. I think he had like a 19-year career in the major leagues, which is crazy. But for years, you know, his identity was, he would look at you and say, hey, Marty, I'm about to throw a fastball right down the middle and you're not going to hit it. Right. He would just overpower people. That's where he found his identity. As he aged, people started taking him deep, right? Because oh, yeah. he couldn't blow them past him anymore. So then he had to change his game up. Then he found his new identity and been able to outsmart batters. And then eventually his arm gave out and he talks about the struggle. Like he started turning to alcohol hmm. and would drown all his sorrows. And he just finally hit rock bottom where he said, My identity is not in baseball. It's not an alcohol, and he and he talks about the freedom that he came through uh, with all that, yeah. but it's amazing. I don't care who you are, whether it's business, athlete, pastor, leading a church, all of that, husband, wife, whatever, it's going to come to an end one day, yeah. and I love that you said the only thing that's never changing is Jesus. Right. So He is
0: the immutable one, the unchangeable one or unchanging. And so we can find our identity in him and in him alone. And and uh, you know, Paul in the passage that we looked at, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, verses 12 through 20, he dealt with he dealt with this toward the end in the statement that he made, but the setup for it was <coughs> excuse me, struggling with this cough still. But his he set it up with talking to Christians about who uh they were maybe finding their identity in in the world and things of the world and, and and there were some slogans that he dealt with uh one of them was all things are are lawful for me uh you know or food was meant for the stomach and stomach for the food just meaning ba- basically that if your body craves it, do it
1: satisfy do it. It. yeah
0: satisfy your flesh mm-hmm. satisfy satisfy your body because you're in Christ and you can do whatever you want to
1: And besides that Yolo, Right. Yeah. You uh, exactly. you only live once. You only
0: live once and and so uh that was the there's nothing new under the sun, right? So true. It just recycles itself it. in a different way. And so he was like, you know, you can't yeah, things may be lawful for you, but they're not always helpful. You know, and and so it it just because everybody's doing it and the world says it's okay and even other Christians might say it's okay, if you if your identity is even in your freedoms in Christ, rather than in your identity in Christ himself, it's still fleeting. It's still not, it's not that stable foundation that we're really looking for.
1: And I feel like, I love what you said, there's nothing new under the sun. Mm -hmm. I think we might give a new acronym to it or whatever, but really the struggles are all the same. But if anything, I really do think that they're magnified more now, glamorized more now, and the temptation stronger now than maybe ever before. Oh. I mean, temptations have always been there for every generation for as long as humans have existed, but you know, I was having a conversation. Uh, I, I told you in the staff meeting with Angie, just pertaining to alcohol, and I said, you know, I, I get the scary thing for alcohol is you never know if you're the person who is going to succumb yeah. to that and. And it it all of a sudden is a problem. And I said the thing that freaks me out so bad about that is like never before, it's celebrated and glamorized in every show and movie that you watch. It the norm is portrayed that when you come home, you start drinking. Yeah. Well, that's gonna turn out really bad for a lot of people. Right. If that's all they they watch. Almost every single show or movie that you turn on glamorizes the fact that you meet somebody you're attracted to at the bar. Lee and I were watching something the other day, and this is a show. This isn't something that's like on cable TV. It's just something that any eight-year-old could change the channel to. And all of a sudden, these people start going at it, ripping each other's clothes off. And I looked at it, and I said, when did it become the norm that the very first day you meet somebody, you're That's ripping you each act. other's cl- yeah. What is happening? Yeah. Like our culture glamorizes that, though. right? So, and because of that,
0: I think that Christians, you know, and and, and uh, I could easily get on a soapbox here. Right. You know me, oh yeah. You know me, uh, but but my thing is is that when we turn to anything, I don't care what it is, and, and what Paul is saying there, he says. Uh, Let me go back to the verse um, that he says, let me get there. All things are lawful, but all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but I'll not be dominated by anything. Yeah. And, And I think that's the idea that we're talking about. And it don't have to be alcohol. It can be, um,
1: it could be your job. It can
0: it? be anything that anything. dominates you. That's right. That really controls your mind. It controls mm-hmm. your decision making. It controls your mood. It controls everything about you. And we all have that thing mm-hmm. that, or, or for some of it's there's a series of things, things. that we struggle yeah, just that S. with that 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 do that do dominate us. It mm-hmm. dominates our thought process. It's it's that person that you've never forgiven that has taken up residency in your head. And that person has dominated you.
1: Mm.
0: That consumption with the success and the career has dominated you. Mm -hmm. And it could be a substance. Mm -hmm. It could be the fact that the only way you can unwind, you feel like is through alcohol. The only way that you can escape for some, there's other addictions, pornography for some it's that's Mm -hmm. their, that's their escape. It's a they live in that fantasy world for a few moments and it dominates them. And so Paul is saying, I'm not gonna be dominated by anything. Right. And and so um we gotta go back to who it is that needs to be our foundation. And that's where he kind of gets into, and I'm gonna skip part of the passage, but I love this, and this is what I really wanted to hone in on, where he says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you. What if we could live every single day with that in mind? Every single moment with that that in mind? That would be a game changer.
1: Oh, it would change so much in my life. All of us. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, but, I mean, you talk about, I mean, if we truly walked in that, you know, we we really would be beacons of light in, in a dark world. Yeah. And I think it would be so attractive to people. I really do. Because there would be, I believe that we would be walking around with a noticeable lightness or sense of freedom about us. Yeah. Right? Right.
0: I mean. When you think about the temple, and I, this past year I went through a devotional that and, and a lot of the study for i think for the last 2 to 3 months it seemed like we were studying every aspect of the temple and the the amount of attention that was given to the detail in the temple was really overwhelming from the the priestly attire to the things that they did, the way they approached the Holy of Holies, uh, the, the the mercy seat, all of those things. There was so, so much attention to detail. And, and I look back on that, and I didn't talk about this on Sunday, but if our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives inside us, there's no longer a tabernacle or a temple made with hands. It's us. We are the temple of not just the temple;
1: we're the holy of holy part of we the are. temple. We are yeah, yeah. exactly
0: the indwelling manifestation of God here on earth. Is He dwells in us, and and the attention to detail for the for the original temple, and even the tabernacle that was mobile. We ought to think that every single detail of our life should be given attention to make sure that we live in such a way. That we're not dominated by anything other than the Holy Spirit, which I referenced. I think it's in the second service that, you know, Paul even says, "Don't be drunk with wine." And what he's meaning by that, don't let alcohol or any other substance for that matter, or any other thing, don't let that alter your thinking. Don't be altered. Don't be. Don't be um, influenced to the fact of of something. But he says rather.
1: Don't be, be drunk with wine, with be filled with the Spirit. Right. So he's saying be controlled by the Holy Spirit in everything that we do. Well, one of the fruits of the Spirit or the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, right? Uh, yeah. That's how I think in premarital counseling, you're referring to Ephesians 5. And, and I always say, well, let, no, let's go back to verse 18 first, where it says be filled with the Spirit. And it's talking to both the husband and the wife. Yeah. Don't be drunk with wine. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now we can get into the roles of the husband and wife. But but if you're drunk with wine, you lose self-control. Mm. Self-control is part of the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah,
0: that's good. So, That's good. And so if if my identity is in Christ and the Holy Spirit is living in me, then he's saying, your body is the Holy Spirit. You have him from God. You are not your own. You've been bought with a great price. Mm. So glorify God in your body. I mean, really, what else can you say?
1: Amen. <laughs> I, I was getting ready to say, what else can you say other than amen? Amen. That's Mic it. drop
0: right there, that's Paul. It. So, you know, it's, it's, a. Uh, I I think for us it, thinking about uh, what it looks like to glorify God in our body, uh, that that's, that's that living in obedience.
1: Hey, can I ask you a question real quick? Because I was asked by a church member. Sure. Really cool doing a hospital visit today, church member was not able to be here live, but they watched your podcast. They said, I have a question. So right now I'm gonna put you on the spot. And I'm also gonna see, did I answer this person correctly? <laughs> uh but at the bottom, verse twelve, for what I have what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is oh. it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? Where's that at? Uh first Corinthians five, verse twelve. Oh, he went back um, a chapter. Yeah. Uh, he was reading like the full context. Okay. okay. And then God tr- judges those outside. So he was saying like, you and I are judging each other. God judges those on the outside. And then he segues into the is living like the rest of the world. So, mm-hmm. so the question
0: is... He said, what does that mean? Oh, what does it mean? Well, I do believe there's a lot of truth to that. What we tend to do is we tend to try to hold the world to a standard that God has set for the church. Mm-hmm. But then we allow the church to be lowered to a standard Come of on, the man. world. Amen. And, and, and not say anything. Because it's easy for us to sit here in the church looking at all those people out there in the world who are living contrary to the word of God, not living in obedience to God, and we go blah, 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 and we just preach, preach, preach about them. When you know what? That's exactly-
1: Why would they live any different?
0: Right, right. You know, a duck lives like a duck, a pig lives like a pig, a dog lives like a dog, Um, and, and, and the reason is they're unredeemed. Correct. So when we are redeemed, when we do become
1: followers of Jesus, there ought to be a different standard. Okay, and so they're judging each other. So now let's say you see me, and all of a sudden I look like- Mm, looks like Tom's going off course a little bit, right? Yeah. I'm a brother in Christ. I think he's like in the flesh a little bit. So do you as a brother in Christ have a right to?
0: I think we have a, I want to, uh, careful how I word this. I think we have an, an obligation to do that. The right comes whenever we have built a relational bridge that way that can withstand the weight of the truth that we have to deliver.
1: But there's that level of accountability that's
0: needed. But here's the thing. If, if you and I have no level of relationship And all of a sudden I just show up to your house or I show up to your whatever and say, Hey, I saw this on your social media feed and I just want to tell you how awful you are. Or if I just call you out on social media, which is how we normally like to do it oh yeah, in a a way that we don't do it directly. We kind of do it passive aggressive like, and I'm calling you out that way, but we don't have any relationship. Right. Whenever you and I have a relationship. You know, it's out of love. Yeah. We can say things to one another and we know it's out of love and and it's received differently. That's right. And so I think that yes, we do have. I don't know if we have the always have the right. Yeah. But we have the obligation. But the obligation also has to be. Cult, you know, it has to have that that love with it. It's the uh, grace and truth. Mm-hmm. And we love the truth sometimes in those relationships we don't have yeah. the love with. But when it was come to our kids. We knew how to balance a little yeah. bit better, right? Sure. Because we had the, the
1: importance of it. Well, yeah. You
0: wanted to give your girls grace. I wanted to give my kids grace, but you also wanted to give them the truth. That's right. All right. Hope that answered his question.
1: Absolutely. And I'm sure yeah. that's exactly how you did it, too. I mean, I feel like I semi-passed the test. No, I guarantee you <laughs> did. I guarantee you. I mean, it might have been a C+, plus, but it was still passing. No, I guarantee Hey
0: anything above a C is worse wasted effort right that's it man
1: what do you call what do you call the doctor that or the guy that finished last in med school doctor doctor <laughs> exactly
0: right oh uh, anything else you want to add about what it means to our identity in christ
1: um yeah i just i think that there's amazing freedom um and that again I we all have a past um and i I mentioned from stage just in the welcome that you know, my main goal this year is to just find my, my identity in Christ. To me, that just gives amazing freedom from any past struggle, any future failure. Cause there's going to be plenty of those. Mm-hmm. But when I do stumble, when I do fall, I, that's not where I'm going to rest my identity. I'm going to pick myself up, dust myself off and remind myself of whose I am. <laughs> um, and again, um, you know, it's kind of like your bottom line. We we find our identity in the salvation, and then our obedience is spurred on through that. To me, it's such a great motivator to live a life that looks like yeah. Jesus. When I think about the price He paid, right?
0: You're not a failure. Ultimately, you are forgiven, and you're a child of the King. And it's like that prodigal son. It's a great story. It almost applies uh-huh. to everywhere. He when he was at the bottom of the barrel eating the pig slop. He realized this is not my identity. My identity is with my father. Even if I'm a servant in his house,
1: that's my identity. I would, I guess, finish with that. You know, one of the things I loved most about your message is the word you, you talked about the word flee, right? You didn't, you didn't say casually find your way out of sexual immorality immorality or any other uh, thing that might hold you captive, but you use the word flee. Well, when my identity is truly in Christ, that's going to give me the strength to flee, to, to run away, not walk, not army crawl, right? but get the heck out of Dodge. Yeah. Get as far away from that as I possibly can. That's good. That's good. So,
0: well, thanks again, Tom. And
1: it's it always good a pleasure. To be back. It's good to be back in here.
0: And, and uh, Lord willing, we'll be back next week. Uh, but Sunday, we're going to finish up or not finish up. We're going to go in the next step and we're going to be talking about feeding on the word of God. Can't wait. It's going to be very practical. I think it'll be something we'll all be able to walk away with and use. So God bless you and thanks for listening.